0: Welcome to Tracksuits and Pajamas.
1: Or Pajamas.
0: We are two best friends from different walks of life.
1: And sleep numbers.
0: Together we'll delve into everything massive and mundane.
1: Join us as we address politics, love, race, parenthood, pancakes, and more.
0: Because when you're comfortable and among kindreds, no topic is off limits.
1: Welcome back everyone, and thank you for joining us again. In today's episode, we're jumping right into it. Politics, voting, and all that comes with it during this season. But there's a twist. Noelle and I actually think we need more politics and, of course, more voting. We'll also share who we're casting our ballots for and why. So buckle up as we take on what's needed to achieve the middle space in today's democracy. Enjoy. Noelle, let's have a uh, school wellness check.
0: Don't do that to me today. No, oh. just kidding. No, I'm joking. <laughs> we are fine. We are fine. That's that's 2020 code for, I'm not sure if the how many times the wheels will fall off today and tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But we're, we're making it. We're making it. What about y'all?
1: So we are fine as well. Uh, I will say the start of this week, because this was the week that they had kids going back to school in Austin and our son was like I want to go back and we're like ah buddy don't think you'll be going back uh anytime soon we'll still do it virtual
0: well it yeah it broke my heart because our son asked to go back too which I didn't expect that he would and when we say back we mean in person because they've been in virtual school now for what five four or five weeks
1: yeah
0: and I asked him before I broke his spirit. I asked him why he wanted to go back to understand, you know, what was he hoping to what experience was he hoping to get by going to school? And bless him, like all the things that he listed were the things that they can't do right now. And so it actually turned out to be a pretty interesting conversation because he just kept listing things. And I kept saying, well, they're not able to do that right now because of the virus. And he would come up with something else. And we went back and forth. And finally, he said, I don't know. I just want to be there. And I said, I know. We we all want things to be back to normal.
1: It's weird that this is probably the only time ever that a kid has wanted to go to school. And the parent, talking about my household, and the parent has been like, no, no, you can't go to school. So that, that has to be a 2020 thing.
0: I think that the district has handled it really well. I've, saw, I've seen a lot of great responses from our school. I know the teachers are doing an amazing job, the staff, the administrators. I mean, I've seen nothing but glowing reports so far. And so I know it has to be a big challenge, and it will continue to be a big challenge because our school, and I think yours is too, but most of them are doing rolling attendance returns. And so what that means is the kindergartners started – first in our school, and then each week more and more kids up to a capacity get to campus. Mm -hmm. And so for our third grader, for example, there's only one kid in class in person right now with the teacher, but that will start to shift in two weeks when all the third graders have an opportunity to go back. So I think that could also make it just like everything else that it's felt like with 2020. Once you get a little bit comfortable and feel like you're in a new normal, it'll be new challenges and new conversations to be had.
1: Yes, that's going to bring a whole different layer to this dynamic, especially the politics of it all, which there hasn't been any politics in any of this whatsoever. Wink, wink.
0: Right. I will say one other thing about school before we move on, and that is what has helped me in this is knowing that even though this wasn't a perfect decision, having had made the decision, because I have noticed a lot of my friends, um, parent friends in the neighborhood who are still in that place of should we go or should we not go? And even though I don't love everything about our current situation, I definitely feel more at peace by not always feeling like that the decision is hanging over my head. Mm-hmm. And that that piece is a little bit more solidified and that we can reassess that when we need to, but that I'm not trying to make a d- different decision on a week by week basis. Cause I think I would be a little more in a crazy space than I am or that I've had, than I have been.
1: Yeah. It's nice to be able to, to at least lock into something, you know, even though it's not, not what we'd like to do What any of us would, would like to be doing in a, better situation, but the, there's a layer of ambiguity to it all, but, but if we can sort of siphon off at least a piece of it, it it helps a little bit, at least, you know, it has in our household, um, and we kind of take it from there.
0: Every little bit.
1: Every little bit helps. So, Noel, when you and I talked last and we said, we're going to do an episode about politics, voting, elections, all that good stuff. I did what any reasonable person would do, and I went to Google.
0: I was going to say procrastinated, but go ahead. Tell me more.
1: (laughs) I went to Google, and I typed in the word politics. I just wanted to see what came up.
0: Was it a big pile of poop, a picture of a pile of poop?
1: It was a lot of poop, as you can imagine, lots of stuff, lots of trash talking, right? But these two definitions popped up. I'm going to read them out. So first one, politics is the way that people live in groups, make decisions. Politics is about making agreements between people so that they can live together in groups such as tribes, cities or countries. Second definition, they're close. Politics is the set of activities that are associated with making decisions in groups or other forms of power relations between individuals, such as distribution of resources or status. Now, after reading that, and I tweeted something out about this, probably it was a couple months ago when you and I were, were talking politics and going over stuff. And I said, I felt like, oh, it was, it was when we were, something was out, but it was in relation to all of the different news out, outlets. And they kept saying things like, hey, let's take the politics out of this, or, um, you know, we should try to remove politics from this issue. But after reading this definition and thinking about it a little bit more, I, I kind of felt like you, you can't remove politics from anything, Right. They're everywhere. It's unavoidable. So instead of removing them, I think it'd be interesting if we looked at it, especially from the middle standpoint, if we took a look at it as instead of trying to remove it, how do we thrive inside of it with those definitions in mind? So I'd be curious to know what you think, one, about those definitions and two, why is it so difficult to sort of separate politics from other things?
0: One of the things that strikes me about the definitions that I've never actually read is that it sounds on paper so collaborative. And in real life, it doesn't feel that way. It feels combative. Mm -hmm. And so it actually sprung a little bitty seed of hope in me when you were reading those of what I think the intention of politics started out as, as a way to govern and a way to collaborate and a way for groups of people to kind the goal, unless I'm putting rose-colored glasses on it because I need it today, but the goal sounded like a collaborative society that needs a set of rules in which to govern. But somehow along the way, it has become not about the town or city or nation. It's become about the factions within the town, city, and nation.
1: Well, especially with everything we got going on. It's, it's interesting, though, how in, in that definition, especially in the second one, um, it doesn't feel like government. It just feels like relationship building. Right. Which is in the middle of everything and is a big part of functioning in the middle to try to understand multiple perspectives to solve a problem. Right. Which is what we really hope. Our politicians would be doing, right? our national leaders, in addition to our state and local government leaders, and so it, the more and more I think about it, I, I feel like the I feel like it's important for us to look to sort of reframe the conversation around politics as this like you know this spooky monster, uh, and instead look at it from the standpoint of it's about relationships. Uh, And I, I don't think there's anyone in, in DC or at the state Capitol or even at city hall who would argue that their role, their job is heavily based on building relationships.
0: You think they would argue that it's not built on that or that it is built on that?
1: I think they would argue that a big part of their job is built on that. Now, what their actions may be, <laughs> you know it could be something completely different or or maybe not, because they're building relationships or choosing not to build relationships um you know with whomever it may be um which is why I don't think you can take politics again using that definition out of anything. It's almost like we want to take it out so that we can make things more simple. But like we talked about before, things aren't always simple. They're complex. When two people disagree on something, there could be some complexities there. There's some layers there to that. It's not just uh, a simple thing. What do you think?
0: Yeah. And I, it's interesting. Um, we were talking a little about school a minute ago and Today's quiz that we needed to kind of go back and I say we collaboratively as the parent slash child to go back and relook at was all about the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and the setting up of our government and why it was structured in the way that it was. And a simplistic overview of that was that we were our democracy was set up to ensure that balances of power did not get out of whack. The party system, the two-party system, was also set up to make sure that voices were heard and that, again, the balance of power didn't shift and the pendulum didn't go too far. But what has become interesting to me with that is I think it also makes people feel that they have to clearly pick a party and clearly pick a side. Like the deck is stacked to have to go one way or the other and to not be able to find the middle ground with politics. And so I agree it is about the relationship building. I would also, also argue that I think the intent of it from our founding fathers was to build relationships and to build a country. What it has turned into is fostering and building relationships just for the people who think, believe the same things that you do. And so that relationship building piece, I think, has fallen out of it from what the uh, intent was and what my hope for it continues to be. Is that Yes, if someone gets elected, and we're in Texas, but if someone gets elected, whether they be Democrat or Republican, to represent my district, we've gotten away from that they actually represent the district, and they only represent now the people in their district who think like they do, believe what they believe, and voted for them, which is so far away from relationship building and is so far away from what I think in 2020 that the founders of this country intended— when they built those types of systems.
1: I I totally understand what you're saying, Noel. It's almost like we need to put politics back in instead of trying to take it out. When you talk about politics in the way that we've been discussing, because if it is about relationships and it is about really digging in, trying to solve things, trying to figure stuff out. Well, to your point, that hasn't really been happening. That's only been happening for the people who voted for me, right? If, if if I'm in office, right? That's only for the folks that like me versus for everyone. Now, I'm sure all politicians would say, no, I'm working for all of my constituents, right? Uh, but when you take a look at the issues or you take a look at the tone or the rhetoric, you know that's not really the case, and I I almost rather just be out front about that and say, no, I'm not really I'm not really looking to build relationships here. I'm not really looking to understand all points of view. I just want to work with this particular group. And if you choose to vote for me, great. If not, then we can move on. Like th- that would be a little bit more genuine, uh, but that wouldn't be in the sense true politics in my opinion, which, by the way, I think it it's just interesting that, that the definition of politics that we talked about require you to be in the middle and to solve those difficult problems, like to really put in the work.
0: I think the thing about the middle and putting in the work and to adhere to that definition of politics, it also requires a great level of empathy, which I would say is almost completely absent in our political conversation today.
1: Get out of here.
0: I know. It's shocking. Empathy has taken, taken the long way around.
1: Yeah. It's definitely walking around the track. It's not sprinting. That's for sure. Well, and which, you know, you and I've talked about this before that there are certain roles that it's almost like empathy should be a big prereq, right? Like you should, you should have a body of empathetic work to show for, um, or you should be heavily trained in it. Right. So if you're, if you're a teacher or if you are, uh, uh, law enforcement right? or if you are a politician, right, you should like, these are things that you should have. Um, I think you, you and I have talked before about how, uh, teachers, which we were talking about teachers with our, our two, the three students that we have and, them being in school and how, uh, a lot of people could learn from educators on empathy skills and how to apply them because they have to educate every child that comes into their classroom and they have to take a look at each child and sort of assess where they are and figure out a plan to help move that child along. Right. And it may be a different play that they have to call for each individual child or for a particular group in the class. Right. That's that's true empathy and they got to get them to the end of the year and try to get them to the point to move on to the, to the next grade. Right. It's not like they can say, well, you know, I got 20 kids. I'm feeling pretty good about these seven or eight, you know, but the rest of them, uh, they don't make it. We'll just keep it moving. I'm not really feeling them. Right. That's, it's not the way it works. Um, It should work that way in our political system as well. So what you're saying, to
0: run for office, you should get a certificate of empathy training. Totally. You got to prove that you're a U.S. citizen, right? Or Mm -hmm. maybe maybe not, not all roles have to be that. So let's strike that. But like you have to do the burden of proof. You have to make sure that you meet all the key components to run for that office. And now we are petitioning that everyone has to take a class in empathy before they can run for public office.
1: Yeah, like you needed like a a degree in it. It should be like a.
0: Not like a defensive driving course, but a.
1: No, 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 not not the one where you stay there for six hours and they order the pizza and you eat. And then you got to take this test at this test. And I'm doing air quotes, people. Um, You got to take this test at the end. No, like something you really have to immerse in. Um, And people should look for that. Like, I, I don't know how many folks, when they vote, everybody go vote, by the way. Early voting starts in a lot of places vote, or started vote, already. Vote. Make sure you go, make sure you plan your vote, all of that stuff. All right. We'll say it again at the end. I often wonder how people sort of assess um, the folks that we vote for. Do they look at them through that lens that that, that we talked about? Uh, because I, I think our political system... Our leaders would look a lot different if that was the lens that we sort of looked at them through.
0: Well, I mean, sadly, I think that answer's pretty is is a pretty easy no. You know, I think that there's a few things that contribute to that. I think, I think people are called to serve as politicians for different reasons, and even the most altruistic of them immediately start getting beaten down. And I think it's really hard to show empathy when you're being attacked consistently and from all sides. And -hmm. I think it becomes easy, even for people who are well-versed in the middle, well-versed in empathy, to get into a defensive posture. And then you kind of get yourself ungrounded from center to start trying to defuse the attacks, but then also unbeknownst to you, perhaps at the beginning, you're in a game now that you have to play that game is rigged against empathy all the way. And I think there are a few people who can make it all the way to great positions of power and maintain that sense of empathy. I think that there are unfortunately numerous examples of people who either never had it to begin with or lose it a little bit along the way.
1: It's like a little bit of the empathy just gets chipped away over time. I I often wonder how how many, how many politicians start out with, um, I'm not gonna say i'm gonna say it no no yeah i'm i'm gonna say it i'm gonna say just say, say it, it. How, how I wonder how many of them start off with this sort of naive viewpoint of hey i'm gonna go in and I'm gonna make these changes and i'm gonna like help Mr. S-
0: Mr. Smith goes to Washington
1: yeah, like I mean you know cue the the ad right you could just see see the the ad running on t v and then they get in there, and it's like they just get dirty, right? Like they they come in and first they get a little dirt around their ankles, and then you know by the end of their first year, like the dirt is up to their neck, you know, on on under a little suit of, of all this stuff. Um, and then they start playing the game that you that you just talked about versus. Um, having empathy, trying to solve things from all problems?
0: I think some people play the game out of survival, and I think some play the game because they enjoy it. And I think that there's a difference, but I think it it manifests in the same discord of, yeah, sometimes you have to throw a punch to get the bully off of you. But then when that becomes your environment and that becomes the air that you breathe, I think it changes people. I'm not saying everyone. I I wouldn't, I wouldn't paint with that broad of a stroke, but I do, I do believe that there's a lot of people that start out in politics really wanting to make a positive difference for people.
1: Yeah. The, the political system reminds me of, you know, we had our previous episodes on race and one of the themes that's really come out of this past um it came out of this past summer was that the system is not broken. It was built that way on purpose. Right. And it's functioning well. Right? which is why we have the problems that we have. And I often feel like the political system is the same way. Right. It, it's one and the same, if you will, of of its It's not that it's broken. It, it was sort of built this way. It was built to be this game of power, pull and push and money and everything else involved under the cover of relationships and empathy and trying to solve problems, not just for your friends, but for all friends. Right.
0: And to solve problems, that don't always include how to make more money.
1: And that's what I mean. Like it was, it, when you take a look at it, you're like, well, it's not broken. It was set up, right? You hear things like, you know, drain the swamp and all these other things that, that folks come up with. And you're like, no, it was it was sort of made like this. And America was made messy anyway. It's not a secret that this country was built on race. When you fast forward to where we are right now today, it's not a shock that we still have the problems with systemic racism and bias and prejudice. It's basically been around since the beginning. Not basically, it has been around since the beginning. So again, it was built this way, right? It didn't it didn't turn into a swamp like in a certain period and now we're trying to get out of it. Right. That that's, that's not the case, right? It, it it is what it is. Um, Which makes me feel like, again, the importance of saying this is the environment that we're in. This is what this is. Let's stop trying to take it out or act like it can be removed. Instead Let's roll up the sleeves and dive in deeper and get in it and figure out ways to navigate it, right? Because removing it is not, at least in my opinion, I don't think it's, is, is not realistic. I I almost feel like what's, what's more realistic is, all right, this is, this is what we're doing. This, this is how it's, this is how it was built. It's how it's made. All right. Got it. Now let's, now let's go after it this way. I'll use a football analogy because it is football season. You know how I feel about that. Um, if I can watch film on a team, learn their tendencies, what they do, how they play, who the players are, what are their favorite things that they like to call, right? Um, what do they do when it gets tough? You know, what do they do when it's easy, right? What do they do when they want something? Right? What do they do when time is running out? if i can dive into all of that and understand it then i am much more well equipped to defeat them when i play them right or or to to win that if you will now i use the football analogy right and that's wins and losses ironically the hopeful side of me uh says i'd rather us instead of getting so locked in on wins and losses that we focus on progress. Right. right? And we focus on progress and we, we use the wins and losses as steps along the way to progression, right? That would, that would be ideal. But to use the, um, the football and game analogy, I think instead of running from it and saying, you know what, let's just get rid of these, let, let's just ignore or, You know, let's just remove this part of the game out. Let's let's do this. Like you could spend a lifetime trying to remove it, or we could go right now and say, This is the game, this is what's happening. All right, I'm coming up with some new plays for this. I'm coming up with some new stuff for this that hasn't been seen before. You know, and I go ahead.
0: No, I was just gonna say that it's also based in reality because one of the things I noticed about myself and I feel like I hear a lot in conversation is it's a notion that is not based in reality and it becomes kind of this waxing poetic about what what could be, right? And it's not based in what is actually happening. I have been guilty of this, of saying we should demolish the two-party system and everything would be okay. But to your point about being in it and knowing the environment that we're in, coming up with these ethereal high in the sky, wonderful scenarios of let's make sure that racism is abolished. That is a nice soundbite, but I think this is the point you're also making with the film analogy is that it's not going in to do the work to understand where we really are. And it's a bypassing of the work that would need to get done in our true environment to make anything better.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We, we, we live in a two party system. We live in. In a society with systemic racism, we live we live in the lives that are part of our experience and to create magical thinking that takes us directly out of that to this utopia that could exist somehow. It also just keeps us from having to do any of the work.
1: I would much rather see us embrace it and lean into all the complexities of it. Instead of trying to strip it away and simplify it, because I almost feel like if when you when you try to strip it away and simplify it, you don't really get into the stuff that you should get into that needs to be resolved right you just sort of bury it and put it away and we've seen a lot of that in the news lately of just trying to dampen certain parts of history and highlight others um, you know to to make certain groups of people feel better.
0: And I think that's the biggest struggle I have within our political container today is also just the hypocrisy and the rebranding of terms and the re a revisionist history. I mean, that's not the biggest problem I have with politics. The biggest problem I have with our political system, I think, is just how nasty it can be. But above and beyond that, it's the biggest pieces for me that are so hard to reconcile is first the desire to stick our head in the sands. And to pretend like the past is the version of the past we want it to be, which is sunshine and rainbows, American pie. The second point that I was going to go towards is just the hypocrisy of it all. What I mean by hypocrisy is, for example, I hear a lot of conversations about how we want to go back to the basics and that we want to make sure that we are um, adhering to the core values of our country. That's a great soundbite. I love easy soundbites. People can pick pick them up and run with them. I mean, we're again, Trenzi and I come from a marketing background. There's a reason that sound bites are quick and punchy and easy. But there becomes a belief system that's so entrenched in something like that that we actually aren't paying attention to the real past and the real influencers of how our country was built. And then it leads to this hypocrisy, which is so prevalent, and I think that's for me the hardest thing to swallow is how overall we say that we're fighting for something i don't even know do y'all know what i'm trying to get at right here like it's what pisses me off is hypocrisy and i want to slam the republicans for it but then i also know that we're doing a a podcast about the middle and so i'm hesitant to like
2: go right at it but i was just gonna say both sides say a lot of the same things like i've been seeing a, a meme on twitter lately where it's like It'll be like Republicans, we're never going to get rid of fracking. And then it's like Democrats, we're never going to get rid of fracking. Pride flag, rainbow, black square, black fist. And it's like, <laughs> it's like you can keep shooting all these things at us, but we know you're not going to do real change. And I think, anyway, I have like this I hate when people are like, that's not what the founding fathers wanted. And I'm like, the founding fathers were 22 year old white Dude. boys slave owners like they enslaved people so Mm -hmm. why are we so hung up on wanting to follow the founding fathers it's like yes these are living breathing documents and the reason they were designed to be living breathing documents is because they knew they at least had the foresight to know that they were going to need to be changed over time because society isn't going to be 1776 every day
0: it's not 1776
2: i feel like i'm doing hamilton now (laughs)
0: We're not, yeah. We're not uh, gonna have uh, buggies. And one, I mean, there's another example that and Mariah, I think that's a great one. I hear a lot about the importance of democracy. I hear a lot about the importance of our com- our country functioning the way that it was intended to your eloquent point that our founding fathers intended, or what democracy means to me. And yet, some of these people who go on and on about how important the Constitution is and how important democracy is, are also the same people who try to suppress voter turnout. And the reality is, like, if you believe in democracy, then you want it to work. You
2: want everyone to come and vote. Did y'all know there's no such thing as voter registration in Canada?
0: Everybody's voted? I mean, everybody's registered?
2: Yeah, you don't, you, you just show up. But as long as you have a social, like, as long as you have, like, a, you know, the same thing as social security number up there, it's a social insurance number. As long as you have that number, you get to vote.
0: Exactly. So the fact See? that it even starts with voter registration, which then is then another way to suppress the vote, is so problematic. And if you actually believed in democracy and you believed in the core tenets of what was the intention of our country and the intention of a democracy, you would want everybody to show up and vote. And then you would actually work harder to make sure that it's your policies and your approach that win you the position and not feel the need to keep people away from the polls in order to assure a victory. That's Mm -hmm. the kind of stuff that sends me a little bit off the cliff. I mean, we just came off, we were talking – Voter early voting starts in Texas on October 13th, Tuesday, October 13th. The governor opened it up. I think it was six days early because of the coronavirus to ensure that people had a chance to vote. The Republican Party in our state took that policy to court, to the Texas Supreme Court, to try to take it back down to fewer early voting days. There's only one reason to do that. The reason to do that is that if you're afraid that more people are going to vote, that you then are not going to have the turnout that you want. or I'm sorry, the results that you want. That means pardon me, but that means that your policy, you're afraid that your policy is not you're afraid that your policy is shit. And then if more people come to vote that you're going to lose, that takes the intention of all of this right out of right out of it. Because what it should be is that your policies and the way that you treat people and the way that you govern and the way that you relate to people is good enough on its own merit that if the world came out to vote, either you would win or you would then take that as an opportunity for growth and for learning and do a course correction for next time. How do you need to get better to govern us better?
1: Mm-hmm. You know, it's ironic about the Texas Supreme Court ruling, uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, Our governor is Republican. so so Yes, I'm
0: sorry. I should have pointed that out. Our Republican governor opened it up so that more people could vote. And then the state Republicans sued him and that ruling and lost. So as we're recording this podcast, we believe
2: early voting starts next week on the 13th. The court ruled, yeah, that it can start on the 13th. But uh, I think the compromise was then... Governor Abbott has reduced it down to only one absentee drop-off box per county. Right. Which the lunacy around that is very
0: difficult for me to wrap my head around. When I see that all I, there's only one excuse for that. And that's when I start to get a little spun up. And honestly, I do get out of the middle on it because back to my original point, why wouldn't we want everyone to vote in a, in a, pandemic why would we have one place mm-hmm. in harris county that is over four million people thank you i was going to say ginormous but i needed the stats it's ginormous over four million people and we are going to have one box one box and that I even mean, it's four million people and it's a vast geography i mean we yeah. i have, my best friend lives in houston my other best friend Trenzio. and we have this joke <laughs> we have this joke that we'll it's it's just down westheimer and just down Westheimer can be an hour and a half a long drive. long way. <laughs> yeah. And so every time I go, she'll say, oh, we're going so-and-so. It's just down Westheimer. Like, Do I need to pack a lunch down Westheimer? So the, from the geographic standpoint, it's lunacy. From a population standpoint, it's lunacy. And yet that is now what we're looking at and what we're dealing with. These few short days before the early voting begins.
2: I was going to just remind you, I know uh, y'all, the whole point of the show is to talk about the the middle, but I do want to just point out that in the United States, our democratic quote unquote left party is like center in almost every other country, democratic country around the world. Mm-hmm. So like what's actually far, what people say is far left here would be regular Left everywhere else, and what is our our center moderate people are actually fairly conservative in most other places around the world. So you know the definition of the middle I think can move around. I love depending that. Depending on where you're from.
0: So what you're saying is I That's might be moderately conservative in other places.
2: Oh yeah. And 100%. I'm a
0: flaming liberal. <laughs> mm-hmm. That makes me feel a little bit better.
1: Just depends on how you're feeling. You can just go to a different place. <laughs> It's my conservative hat today. It's my liberal hat. I think it's the the one box thing is interesting because I mean, even when Blockbuster was around, you had more places to return your your videos, and even with the little red box thing, you got to at all kinds of grocery stores. But to vote in a election, we got one box. All right, one box.
0: And then also- and then, while we're on it, I'm going to get a little revved for a minute, then I'll come back down. The meme that I have seen that says, if you can go to Walmart and wait in line, then you can wait in line to vote. Makes me crazy because. One of the people in my life that's trying to do voting by mail, for example, um, is my mom, and she's been sick off and on for the past three years. My mom in the pandemic is not someone who's going and standing in line in Walmart, but they have these punchy little um, one liners that then gain traction as if as if first of all, as if going to Walmart and voting should be considered the same thing. And second of all, if we're going back again to the idea of a democracy, the goal is to make it so that everyone can vote and have their voices heard. Mm-hmm. So, there should be a box if if everything was transparent and nothing was rotten in Denmark, there should be a box on every corner. It should be like red box
1: or let's stay with the Walmart example great let's have as many as many Walmarts as we have that's how many boxes we should we should have in in a city that's let's go with that
0: okay. we need to call Bentonville after this and see if in every Walmart we could just add a box.
1: I'm just saying, uh, if you if you want to use the Walmart example, then let's use the Walmart example, because right now we have fewer boxes than Walmarts. So, you know, I, we I have do fewer
0: boxes than Walmarts by neighborhood.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I, Mariah brought up an interesting point talking about Canada. And I, I didn't I did not know that. So, you know, shout out to Mariah for dropping the social studies facts on us. Uh, from canada um i did not know that that you did not have to register to vote and there's there's something about um you know else goes to what you were saying about you know if we if we're really trying to do this then we want to do this for the most right if, if it's really important if it's really really important and um, going back to it, your
0: definition of politics the politics exactly. should include everyone it's relationship building with everyone
1: Anyway, that's why I think we should put the politics back in politics.
0: Let's put the Instead politics of, back in politics. I ain't scared. Yeah.
1: Instead of trying to take it out. So in Canada, like you say, you don't have to, um, you don't have to register. When you look at um, financial planning, right? like, like 401Ks and things like that, you find a lot of companies now, it used to be you had to opt into those programs. Right? But a lot of companies now, you have to opt out. Right. So they naturally enroll you uh, because they know that once you get going and started, it's more likely you'll continue to do it. And obviously everyone, if you can, needs to try to save for retirement and all that good stuff. Um, so y- you find these places in these um, verticals, if you will, that are trying to do the right thing for the most. That should be the case for how we function as a country. Uh that should be the measuring stick that we use for how we elect our leaders. Um, anybody that is in public, anyone that is in public office or a public appointee or a public position at all, um, this should be the mentality. Do the most good for the most people, regardless of how they feel about you. Uh, and, Clearly that has not been been the case. And I think a big part of it is people have a hard, I I think people have a hard time being in the middle on things that are not directly related to them or those that they see as being their friends.
0: Tell Uh, me more. What do you mean by that?
1: Well, it's, It's a big part of why we started the podcast is that if, if we don't, if we don't agree on something, then I'm just, I'm just shutting it down completely. And what you say does not matter, right? I'm simplifying that.
0: And and not even just that what you say doesn't matter. It turns into that you don't matter.
1: Right. What you say doesn't matter. And if what you say doesn't matter, then you clearly don't matter at all. Versus let me dive into the complex part of it and try to understand why that's there. Now, it's. You know, I want everyone to think that way, but at a minimum, I need the people who make the laws, and who set them and who are there and are supposed to enforce them, if if you will, to function that way. Right. I'm not naive. We're not going to get everyone in the world in the US in the world in the universe to function that way for the people who make laws the people who are politicians we should demand that that is how they function otherwise why do you have that job right you no know, you didn't you didn't get drafted in to become a a senator you know or a congressperson or you know You know, none of that. Right. No one forced you into that role. You chose to do that. So if you choose to do that, this is how you should have to function. Because, again, the original definition of politics is about building relationships and trying to solve issues overall, not just for a particular set of folks.
0: And I think that to have that expectation of our politicians. It's been this. This strange upside down world I feel like that we're living in is that we want our politicians to be the role models of teaching us how to be as a country. When in the scenario that you just laid out, we need to demand that of them. But that also means that we need to know how to do it ourselves and to know that that's worth asking for. And I think. Unfortunately, as we're this close to the election, it's even more prominent than it ever has been. Because we have a lack of empathy, I think we have an empathy problem in our society overall. So we don't even know that it's what we should be aspiring for from our leaders, because oftentimes we don't know it's what we should aspire for for ourselves.
1: Well, did you – I don't know why I was going to ask. Did you watch the debate?
0: Which one, one, since this will – by the time we're, by the time this episode comes out, we will. Are you talking about hopefully
1: have f- had more than one? So did you watch the? Um, I know you watched the vice presidential debate, right? I did. Yes. So, do you remember the question that was asked um, that the moderator read from a student? I think I think it might have been an eighth grade. I think it was an eighth grade girl. I think her name was
0: I, Brecklin or something like Breckin,
1: that. I, I think you're correct. Do you remember the the question that was asked? Yeah. I don't remember word for word. But but basically for those of you who are listening might not have might not remember the question, I'm gonna paraphrase but but she was she was basically asking um every time she watches the news, this little girl was sent this question in. She said every time she watches the news, all she sees is arguing back and forth, this side, that side. Um so forth and so on, right? All the bad stuff that you could expect that you see when you, when you turn on and you, and you watch the news. And her question was basically, if we're supposed to all try to work together to solve things, to make things better, um, you know, what's, how are we going to get there? What's my takeaway when this is all that I see out there, right? And, and, Basically, she was kind of throwing it out there, like, "Hey, give me some hope, give me an idea of, of something." And I, to your last point that you were making, I, I feel like this generation is is looking for that, right? And if if I could say one thing to them, is I'm like, if that's what you want, uh, what that little girl wrote, if that's what you want, your expectations should not change. It's like. Her expectations as an eighth grader are correct. As she goes on in life, as we go on in life, it's like it starts to get messed up. But her expectations are right on the money. Right, They should not change at all. Right, They should stay right where they are, and she should vote based off of that. Um, so basically what I'm saying is we need eighth graders to run the country.
0: I actually think eighth graders should be able to vote. My my son is in third grade, as we've talked about, and he my son is in third grade and he really wants to vote. And sometimes I think that they may have a better pulse on what to vote for and whom to vote for than the adults do.
1: Totally. They they totally get it. and And, you know, so some adults would say. Oh, they're kids. They got this, you know, kiddie view of the world. But no, abs- actually, they're correct. So the true definition of politics, they get. right. I, th- I think we were talking before you were saying that you were working on something with your son and they were talking about the different branches of the government. Right. Kids, the, the children actually have it have it correct right now. I find it ironic that we are teaching them about politics. Because I actually, I actually feel like we're not really, we're not teaching them about what politics really should be. Right? We're teaching them about what it is, right now, uh, and so, you know, there's there's an opportunity there to learn. I mean, how how many times have have we talked about how our children teach us so much about ourselves? When I when I I watched the whole debate. And got to to that question at the end, and I was like, man, they should have led with that.
0: Way, way Way to represent, Brecklin.
1: Brecklin holding it down.
0: Well, and I also found it sad and emblematic that the response to that question needed somewhat to be danced around. Because what we what we had also just seen, and of course it's a debate, but what you had also just seen is more of the same and then we end on that question and then it it's almost a little hollow because it just reinforces again that it's not it's not happening and a lot of the people in power don't believe it's possible. Even the term the term reach across the aisle has always irked me a little bit. Because it again it illustrates that division from the get-go, that there's an aisle to be reached across when in reality it should be that you're collaborating for the greater good. And I will say that that both parties suffer from that. Both parties are in the fight. Both parties have great examples of hypocrisy and failure and flaws and not doing what's just for the greater need but what's fighting for their side. And mm-hmm. yes, of course there's there are elements that I align with and I want someone fighting for my voice on those elements. But I want it for the greater good and not it, not at the expense of others.
1: Right. That's, that's that's a that's a key point to pull out, right? Want it for the greater good, not at the expense of others. That's that's because the the greater good often I think is what all of them would say they're shooting for, but the expense of others, not much time is really spent there.
0: And the filter I try to put on it that I'm not saying I'm perfect on by any stretch of the imagination, is that it benefits it's not about how it could benefit me, and it's not my version of the greater good that I listen to others on what the collective version of the greater good could be and not what my myopic view of this pristine nation might look like. It's not Noel's version of the greater good, hopefully. The hope is, is that you listen and take input and, and show empathy so that it's some iteration of the greater good that everyone has a voice in and everyone has a say towards.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to be... I, again, I know we've, you know, we've talked about it a, a lot, but it is going to be complex, right? All right. Mariah mentioned earlier uh, about the forefathers of the country and how they were some wild dudes, and that's putting it mildly, right? Um, I mentioned. I almost how the want country... to say
0: wild children, like <laughs> yeah. they were babies. Yeah,
1: they what, they were
0: what twenty four year old would we give the keys to the country? You can't even run yeah. for president if you're twenty four.
1: No, I mean they were basically, I mean they basically frat boys, you know, <laughs> with, with, with wigs on, right? That's <laughs> that's, that's, that's basically, it's basically what they were, right? And trying to start up a a country um, on slave labor, right? So let's let's just let's just. Keep it real. Right. Yeah. We wrote a constitution. We had a declaration of independence, all that stuff. But all of this other stuff was going on as well. And that that the country was built on. Let's get into it all. Right. It's it's complex. It's messy. But this sort of this approach of. Well, we don't want to talk about that or, you know, if we talk about the race stuff. And that's demeaning our forefathers and what's happened right um it's like wait a minute that's it happened <laughs> like i'm like I'm not like it's not something that i that I made up like it took place. let's chop it up and talk about it and talk about the implications today, right because we never really addressed a bunch of these things right we we um we We've demonstrated a lot of sympathy, uh, but we have not had a lot of empathy. And we've talked before about how the difference in that is that empathy is action-based in order to solve a problem. In particular, for a group that you are not the majority of. Right? Like, like just, st- st- just stop on that concept. I- I'll give you one. <laughs> how about... If for every Republican, for every Democrat that is elected, the way you're assessed on whether or not you'll get reelected is how well you did something for the other party. Right. How 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 well did you I don't I don't need to see what you did for the people who voted for you. Or Maybe how I, well
0: did you do for your constituency? Right. How well did you do yeah. for the people actually in your district, actually, yeah, like from your state,
1: you exact all the people, right, so either all the people in your district, all the people in your state, or you know, like I was saying i'll I'll play your party game but but let me see you do it for the folks who are not in your party I mean, just imagine imagine the work that would really have to get done if that was the case, right, then you could sort of strip away a bunch of this other stuff. Then you could get down to real politics. Again, put the politics back in politics. So at the end of the day, what does that mean for voting? Right. We mentioned earlier about, um, early voting is starting on Tuesday. And I'm definitely going in to vote. And I'll be voting for Biden Harris. Just keeping it one ten. Uh, and I know that is a total shocker for all of you listening who know me. I just I'm I'm sure your jaws just dropped probably me with me mentioning that. Uh no, not really. The jaws didn't drop. Um and it's 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 very simple to me. One group, in my opinion, has been about empathy. And about trying to solve problems for all people. Do they get it right all the time? No, they don't. Do they mess up? Yeah. Do they do some things that I can't stand sometimes? Yeah. Are they
0: problematic? Yes.
1: Yeah. But at the same time, they're trying to do, in my humble opinion, the most good. And I can point to tons of examples Not just now, while Biden and Harris have been going through their campaigns and going through the debates, um, but throughout their respective careers. If you take a look at their body of work. Right. And the body of work long before they were on presidential tickets. You take the other side. And I think there is also a body of work. Long before they got on the presidential ticket. If you take a look at their body of work. And it speaks a lot less to empathy the way that we have described in this podcast. So for those reasons. I will again be casting my ballot. At early voting. For Biden Harris 2020.
0: As will I my friend. I know that's probably not a shocker either. But for me, the biggest piece that I come back to is what you just said, and that's the empathy piece. And being able to see empathy in practice, consistent practice, because empathy, as we've talked about here, it's not about being perfect. It's not about making mistakes. It is about learning from your mistakes and showing up to meet your fellow human where they are and to understand where they are and to work towards a good that can benefit them. And especially for leaders, I think that that's really important. And there are leaders, in my opinion, that exude empathy and those that don't. And I'm making a vote for empathy. And for that reason, and for many other reasons, I'll be voting for Biden-Harris as well. But I also want to make sure we don't stop there in terms of talking about the presidential ticket, because our government, we need all facets of our government to be infused with empathy, And so, yeah, you may have your hot ticket issues. You may have that piece that's the most important reason that you're voting for a candidate. All I would humbly ask is that you also try to weave in empathy into that consideration. So not only do they check off the boxes that you think are really important in your life and for other people's lives, but do you believe that they're also working for the greatest common good, not the greatest good for you?
1: I am. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did enjoy, please subscribe and share with your people. Also, uh, check us out on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review so that everyone else can hear all the wonderful things you have to say about us. We'd also want you to check us out in the social media space. All the links are in the show notes. So until next time, take care and we'll talk to you soon.